Welcome to season three of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast and is continuing it in 2023. In each episode, we will be talking with CCA leadership and leading experts on issues specific to ranching and producing beef in California. Tune in every other Monday to hear updates on legislative and regulatory fronts in Sacramento, deep dives into current events, challenges, and more. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen's podcast. I know May is a very busy month for California cattle ranchers. A lot of you are probably right in the thick of working cattle this spring. It's also a very busy month at CCA. The day this episode is coming out, we're going to be having our executive meeting in Sacramento with all of our leadership planning for the rest of the year. Uh, The next day will be our steak and eggs breakfast and lobby day in downtown Sacramento. And then the week after that, we'll be down at the feeder council meeting in San Diego. So lots going on as we head towards a busy summer, I'm sure, but we thought this would be a good chance to get a fire update from CCA's fire subcommittee chair, Anthony Sornetta. He's been on the podcast multiple times. He's also a rancher in San Luis Obispo County. So if anyone's busy, Anthony definitely understands. But Anthony, thanks for joining me and making time for it today. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for inviting me again. Yeah, it's always good to hear an update from you and what you're up to. Let's start with What have the state's fire resiliency efforts consisted of over the last six months or so? What's been going on over winter and since the last time we talked? I can say behind the scenes, there was a lot of paperwork that was submitted, a lot of CEQA that was being um, conducted, and a lot of projects that were kind of getting off the ground. So a lot of the funding for these projects and the vegetation treatment and management and wildfire resiliency grants all took effect in 2021. There was a lot of funding set aside by the governor's office. So a lot of work went into putting it in place. There was, I would say for last year and the year before, there was probably more black acres or prescribed fire acres done than in many years before that. I do not think we're where we need to be. We have a long ways to go. As per the 2022 prescribed fire strategic plan, we're supposed to have 400,000 acres burned by 2025. I'm not sure we'll get there. I'm, I'm hopeful we'll get there, but uh, I'm not sure. But there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that's occurring. So with that being said, I think a lot of projects will probably come to fruition this year and last year. With that, I know that talking with Cal Fire and in a meeting with the director and some of his staff a couple of weeks ago, he gave a report that all the grant funding was pushed out. And that was pushed out through prescribed burn associations, range improvement association, Cal Fire, uh, Ranger Units, and Contract Counties to get these special projects off the ground. There was uh, $250 million in requests for the 22-23 wildfire prevention grants where there's only $115 million available. So people are actually requesting the funding and it's getting out there and they're using it. I know the governor, just speaking with the Cal Fire director, the governor approved another $115 million to be distributed this spring. So the projects are on the books. Talking to some counterparts across the state, they're getting going. Last year was a, a good jump, and this year I think it's going to be another good jump. So things might seem a little slow on paper, but behind the scenes, it sounds like things are moving forward pretty well. Yeah, and, and, and you know that some of that's a CEQA process, and a lot of this stuff you have to submit to Cal Fire for project review, and and that's when they really approve all the grant dollars. So yeah, you're you're correct. Behind the scenes, it's the paperwork process, and I think things are finally hitting the ground. 
As far as what's coming up um, as we head into summer, do you have an outlook for what this year's wildfire season is going to look like? I'm sure uh, we had wild snow amounts and record rainfall in parts of the state. Is that going to make a difference in how extreme this upcoming wildfire season is, or is it just hard to tell? I've done a couple presentations uh, recently on the seasonal outlook and, and what we're expecting across the southern state, and it kind of holds true for throughout the whole state is, you know, most of us saw 150 to 200 percent of normal rainfall and snowfall. So that does have a huge impact on fire season. As you've seen everywhere and drive along the highways, no matter where you travel, there's large stands of grass crops. They're heavy, they're continuous, and some places are five to six feet tall, which is good for all of us. And, and we're all super happy we got that. What we're forecasting for this year is Fire season and the declaring of fire season is going to be a little later. Usually we've declared it by now. This year I'm seeing probably mid-June and other parts of the state probably more like July before we really get into fire season. Uh, With those large grass crops, I foresee a lot of starts and us being really busy. But I see it when it gets into those heavier fuels like the brush and everything, probably seeing a slowdown. I don't think we're going to see the configurations that we've seen in the past. Just because of the live fuel moistures, uh, right now, live fuel moistures are sitting around 130%. We should be around 90 and we don't get critical fire behavior until about 60%, which that's probably going to be August this year, July, August for some parts and maybe later for others. So with that being said, the critical fire component of it, I'd say July, the earliest and October. There's some good things, though, is with all this rain, what we've been missing in the past, such as ponds, reservoirs for dip sites for helicopters and turnaround times and access for water, is there's quick turnaround times for all of that. So that's going to help when fire suppression. Also along those lines is there's been a lot of funding from the state to bring on extra dozers, hand crews, aircraft. So that's a positive thing as well. But for seasonal outlook, it's going to be a delay and we'll see a fire season, but I'm hopeful that I would almost hope that it just stays green year round. We got a really good early wet fall. That could help too. And up in your neighborhood, I'm sure it's probably just clearing all the snow. Yeah, up um, near Truckee and up in Donner Pass, there's still quite a bit of snow. I heard there was still about four feet of snow like in Truckee around buildings still and shady spots. They'll be skiing up there on 4th of July for sure. (laughs) You know, and, and that's another advantage there is where we see the critical need for resources when we have multiple fires start at one time and it's hard to get resources for suppression is with the Sierras having such a snowpack that there's not a concern of losing those resources throughout the state. There's just some defined areas where we'll see those starts. The one thing for caution is we had a fire last month, not us, but there was a fire up there in Mark Lacey's neck of the woods. And I think it burned 60 or 80 acres. They had four tankers on it in March. So we just need to be concerned about some of those fuels that have a real heavy dead component and have no fire history in those areas. Some of those fuels like the brush, the medium fuels and the heavy fuels, they go dormant so they don't absorb as much moisture. Just being cognizant if there are some very old decadent fuel beds that they could be receptive just because of the dead component that's found underneath them. I mean, I'm looking for a good outlook this year. I hope it's quiet for all of us. Speaking of other good things, I wanted to get an update on how the livestock pass and the burn boss classes are going. I know you've been involved with both. So let's start with how are the livestock pass programs uh, progressing throughout counties across the state? I think from that, and that's where it makes it really busy. This whole winter has been real busy setting up for livestock pass, ag pass training. I know here in Southern California, like Ventura County held all their classes last week. I taught 
two of them Monday and Tuesday. And then I know San Luis County is tonight and the next night. So for Southern California, it's that time. Everyone's coming on board and getting them moving. The latest count I have is 33 of the 58 counties either have a ag or livestock pass in place or are coming online. So that's over half of the state is coming on board. There's two different varieties. Some people are following AB 1103 to the T and just making it a livestock pass. But I'm seeing more and more that people are adopting an ag pass, which brings in irrigated crops and also livestock. So I'm looking forward to that. And I just gave a presentation two weeks ago at what's called a Forester and Fire Warden. It's a large conference with a lot of chief officers and uh, wildland firefighters. And it was kind of neat. They asked that uh, I come and give that presentation because now the whole state's hearing about it and they want to learn about it and deploy the pass. So that's a good thing. That's good for all of us. Yeah, that is a good thing. From the people that have been attending the Southern California ones, I'm sure there's quite a handful of people who are doing it for the second or third time. Are you hearing good things as far as the pass is working and agencies being able to collaborate better by having the pass? Yeah, we're hearing good results. And especially with the in-person training, because you usually have law enforcement, fire, and the ag pass holders in the same room. So they develop those relationships and the trust is already being made there. So that's one advantage to having it in person. When it comes to recertification, that's we'll figure that out when it comes. But all of the curriculum finally got adopted um, February of this year. So we we're kind of falling under kind of a beta program, but now it's all officially adopted. And uh, a lot of support from Tracy Shore in the north, uh, Matthew Shapiro in the south. So uh, UC Cooperative Extension has been playing a big role. So I want to recognize all those people that have helped out in doing that. And if someone's listening and they don't know how to get in touch in their county and see if there's a livestock pass, is going to Cooperative Extension and their uh, livestock resource agent the best place to start? Yeah, that, that would be the, the best place if they know who that contact is. If not, feel free to reach out to me. I have a pretty good list of uh, who has them up and who's working on them. Like Matthew, myself, and Tracy field a lot of phone calls. We've done some webinars and probably touched about 400 people in those webinars, um, giving them examples of how to set up a program. And if a certain person doesn't have a program in their area, it's a canned thing. I have it all, and I can email everything they need to start their own program. It, it's it's pretty easy. Here's what success looks like to me is I had someone from L.A. County call me the other day. And if L.A. County is asking for an ag pass, I think that's success right there. A long ways that we've come since even just a couple of years ago, having nothing. Congratulations on that. And we'll look forward to seeing probably even more of them come to fruition. OK, let's switch over to the Burn Boss program. How are those classes going? What does that really entail from you? That's busy. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I don't meet with the fire subcommittee enough, but there's there's members of the subcommittee that we're always talking and putting this training on. So I'm glad we're communicating it out to the membership because sometimes I feel like the outreach education side of the fire committee is lacking. And, and that's my fault. But from the burn boss, a lot going on. We have a class scheduled for November 6th to 10th in San Luis Obispo. If anyone's interested in that class, please reach out to me and uh, I'll get you all the information. There's also a refresher class. So some people took it and it's already time for refresher. So that refresher class is May 30th in San Jose. And, and we're still, if I had to give you a progress report for the Burn Boss class, we need to have more instructors. There's only a handful of us that can do it, but we need to get more people trained and instructor qualified. So as they take the class, they can come back and be an instructor. And that's, that's kind of our main goal right now is get more instructors to get the class put on at more locations. Under that same thing, under the Burn Boss, 
been working diligently and I'm not going to take any credit for it, but Linda Quinn Davidson, who's on the fire subcommittee and Senate bill 926, which is the prescribed fire claims fund. Those representatives, I'm on the phone call, but they're the ones that are truly doing the work is that claims fund pilot program. It's hoping to launch mid-May of this year. So they finally finished the document. It's all done. And I shouldn't say finally, there was a lot of work and effort that went into it. Sure. And it's completed and it's with Cal Fire right now. And, and again, I give Lindy a lot of credit for representing the cattlemen and putting it all together. And um, there's many things I can talk about that, but if anyone's interested in the claims fund and, and what the scope of that is, feel free to reach out as well. Now that that's done, does that kind of open some doors uh, for more prescribed fire? Or what's the timeline look like with that? Yeah, it, it's called the pilot project. So it's prescribed fire pilot project. It has $20 million in there. And if, if you do prescribe fire, you can get up to $2 million liability insurance. But there's some scope to it and there's some prerequisites. So you have to be a certified burn boss and turn in a smoke management plan, a burn plan. So there's some things that you have to follow or have a, a burn boss help you out if it's one of the ranchers out there. But yeah, there's that liability now that that's available. And it makes them... Uh, feel a little more comfortable to re- go a little farther and start during, doing burning elsewhere because just one event and a liability or suit of an escape, you know, it could shut down a burn boss and there's not a whole lot of them out there. Well, it's good to hear that all of those are still moving smoothly. I know there are lots of priorities for the subcommittee. Some of those efforts that we just talked about came out of the subcommittee and we've made good progress on. What are some of the other ones that you'd like to see discussed? So I talked about how this episode's coming out right before our lobby day. What other fire priorities would you want to bring up or do you think should be brought up with regulators and key leaders in Sacramento to continue making good progress? I mean, I have a few of them here. I mean, if I if I was there for a day and, and I had the opportunity, which I plan on coming, but, you know, some of those things, I've reached out to the CAL FIRE director, Tyler's uh, deputy chief, and and asked, and I know Billy has has, has asked him as well to, to show up that day and maybe give five or 10 minutes a talk. But one of the things, you know, I'd like to see in front of all those legislators is uh, the director to really talk about, you know, why the cattlemen are so important, owning so much private land in California and so much opportunity for prescribed fire and, and uh, vegetation treatment and management. I know there's a state budget deficit of $27 billion. Cal Fire took some hits on that. But, you know, with all the grants for the prescribed burn associations and range improvement associations, I'd like the director to get in front of all those legislation and tell them how important it is and and all the stakeholders in the room to also advocate for those continuing grants because that really keeps things going. So that's probably one. Another one I, I would like to say is the insurance front to look at that. I know the fire hazard severity zone maps are coming out and there's some insurance models out there to just stay on top of the insurance and the fair plan's not the answer. We still need to work on what the true answer is and look at those different things. And then also kind of circle back on the 2022 prescribed fire strategic plan and those 400,000 acres by 2025. There's some some steps in, in that and there's some uh, actions that they were supposed to accomplish and maybe circle back on, you know, the APCD and smoke management plans, providing additional money to launch pilot projects for large, large burns. There's some still some actions in there that haven't been accomplished. And I think putting that back in front of the legislators, you know, in a couple of weeks would be a good thing. There's some other things, I mean, you know, kind of off topic is for a lot of the cattlemen out there. Is, there's quite a few training opportunities. I know UC Cooperative Extension is offering some courses on grazing programs. The Board of Forestry is also offering some stuff. met with Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo recently, and they want to start a prescribed fire treatment program and 
some training for fire science and vegetation treatment. So I think if we get that out there, and I, mean, I know you see cooperative extensions working on the same thing, but the more and more outreach and education we do, the better people understand that we have the lands that give them the opportunity to be successful. California cattle ranchers manage 38 million acres. So that's a huge chunk without cattlemen that they're missing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great point. And I think it would be great if Director Tyler could bring that up at Ledge Breakfast. So hopefully um, that will happen. Yeah, I think I'll task our president, Steve Arnold, with that. Great idea. <laughs> Going off of that, any pertinent legislation specifically in Sacramento that you're watching as this session just gets started? Nothing specifically. I, I think for what I'm looking at is, you know, just as some of the stuff that was already introduced and just following up and just making sure it gets completed, like the SB 926 and a lot of the stuff that was in the strategic plan. I think for me, that's from the fire committee. Those are some things we're watching. And then also that fire hazard severity stuff and seeing where that goes. There's going to be some new requirements for home hardening and defensible space that I I think may cause some concern and really want to follow where that's going and, and what they're going to put on the landowner. Sounds like lots of pieces to this puzzle and you're on top of all of it. So thank you, Anthony. And thanks for all of your work leading the fire subcommittee. I know that's a lot of work on its own, but you've got a lot of other uh, priorities as well. So thank you for all your time on that. I would be remiss if I didn't recognize this fire subcommittee group because there's many people in that group that do a lot of have put a lot of effort forward spend a lot of time and a lot of stuff I'm talking about here is, is they're directly involved in providing me information and not to forget CCA staff and everything that goes on there then all the stuff the representation you guys have at the state level up there thanks Anthony I think as a membership driven grassroots organization it's great to point so many things back to the fire subcommittee that we can say this was a direct result of these members in this group so it's definitely important and we look forward to seeing you next week i guess yes well, we'll see you next week and and thank you i appreciate it katie coming up next episode we'll have an update from cca's feeder council meeting so look for that to be published on memorial day and as always thank you for listening